0: is a Vine Pair podcast conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes to give you a better picture of how the COVID-19 pandemic is impacting all parts of the business, as well as to provide a bit of hope and a path forward for all of us. So today I'm talking with Eric Siegelbaum of Sommelier and the United Sommelier's Foundation. Thanks so much for joining me, Eric.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, uh, I read this article over the weekend, and it was saying that these days when you ask someone, how are you doing, that can seem pretty loaded, a lot of layers to unpack. So maybe the more empathetic way to put it is, how are you doing today?
1: Well, the sun is shining. I've got uh, wine in my cellar, food in my fridge, and I feel healthy. So I'll call it a pretty good day.
0: Nice. Uh, So I think it's interesting to speak with you for a couple of reasons today. So you're a restaurant industry veteran. You've been in the business for about uh, three decades, having worked as corporate beverage director for Steven Starr's restaurant group, overseeing beverage operations for 38 restaurants in seven cities. Now you're a small business owner, you have a hospitality consultancy called Sommelier. And because of this pandemic now, you are vice president of United Sommeliers Foundation, which is a newly formed 501c3 in response to this crisis, which provides financial assistance to help psalms who've lost their jobs. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So let's start uh, at the beginning, Uh, some background about you. And, you know, tell me how your business looked a couple months ago.
1: Sure. Well, um, my business looked very different uh, at the end of 2019 and different again at the beginning of 2020 and different again uh, just over three months in. So uh, when I founded Sommelier, it was, uh, the idea behind the company was to provide services for really three facets of our industry, um, hotels and restaurants or on-premise, basically either helping them build new programs or improve existing programs and everything that comes with that, finance, operations, training, content, etc., the second facet of what I did for Somalia, or what I still do, I should say, because my company still exists, thankfully, uh, is uh, working with the supply side. So wineries and distilleries, importers, distributors, uh, regional organizations, brand groups, etc., cetera, uh, both helping them improve their businesses through the lens of a buyer and also helping them provide content to trade, consumers, or journalists or journalists and press in a way that really impacts and resonates and is meaningful. And then the last facet of what uh, Sommelier typically does is consumer-based uh, education, private events, uh, seller management, acquisition, liquidation, valuation, vetting, appraisals, etc. That was my business up until the very beginning, really the end of 2019 where the wine tariffs came into play and I found myself focusing a lot of energy on opposing the wine tariffs. So I'm one of the more active members of the United States wine trade Alliance, which uh, was a really a grassroots group of uh, people that formed through Facebook now over 7,000 strong. And which is also now incorporated as a 501 C3 and has a board, but basically, Um, I live on Capitol Hill in DC. Um, I'm 10 minutes from the House and Senate buildings and and the Capitol building. So for me to get into the offices of Congress people and senators is very easy. And I spent much of January and February meeting with um, probably close to 100 different people in government, whether they were Congress people or senators or their trade staff or their policy staff. Uh, We met with the United States uh, USTR, the United States Trade Representative, met with speakers of the House, the minority leader of of the House, really everyone on both sides of the aisle to help oppose wine tariffs and explain to them why they are so terrible for the American economy. I used to think that was my biggest problem, and I kind of missed the days that those were the biggest Mm -hmm. problems, because enter COVID, which uh, somewhat crept up on us here in the States and um, has completely dismantled, for lack of a better word, our industry. So... um, Much of my life, the last month especially, has been devoted to um, what we've now called um, uh, the United Sommeliers Foundation, which is our newly formed entity uh, that sort of came about when we realized a a number of uh, highly influential people in the industry uh, realized that there were no resources for sommeliers. So uh, Christy Norman of Spago and Beverly Hills and Chris Blanchard, Master Sommelier, um, who Also, I believe, lost his job last week, uh, but was with Vine Hill Ranch in California. They sort of founded this and reached out to a number of uh, people in the community nationally that they consider influential. Me among them, which is an honor in and of itself. And we put this group together to really help because there is nothing for Somalia specifically. And while there are funds for the restaurant business, you know, the the conservative estimates are over 7 million people. In the restaurant business have lost their jobs. And despite the fact that there's millions of dollars of funding available specifically to restaurant people, that's not a drop in the bucket. So the United Sommeliers Foundation, the whole idea here is to raise as much money as quickly as possible and distribute that money as quickly as possible to sommeliers in need. And we define sommelier not by pins, not by certification. We define it as people who perform the job of a sommelier and uh, sort of identify as a sommelier. So it's focused on Restaurant psalms, and the reason for that being, you know, most people don't understand that ways just because we deal in luxury goods, don't necessarily live in luxury. In fact, most ways live paycheck to paycheck. More importantly, ways are generally the first to be laid off or let go when labor is an issue and the last to be brought back on. So right. we really wanted to support our community. But if you have some sort of certification... Uh, and worked or worked as a restaurant sommelier for 10 years and now you work as a supplier, you're still eligible to apply. So the idea behind this is it's completely need-based. We have somebody not in the wine business who eliminates all of the contact information and restaurant information for the applicants. So when the board is looking, it's a completely objective process done completely blind. So we have no idea whose application we're looking at. Um, And really it's just an assessment of of need-based and it is our goal to distribute as much funding as possible, as quickly as possible to as many people in critical need as we can. Uh, in the industry. And that has occupied my life pretty much. It, it's been a more than full-time job. I mean, um, it's almost five o'clock now. And I have been on the phone nonstop since 9am this morning, call after call after call, talking to major entities, um, working on donations, on the uh, our auction component, on press and media release and all that to just try, try to get as much traction as possible so we can positively impact as many people as we can.
0: Yeah, and talk a little bit about the uh, fundraising efforts. So um, I I know you guys are going after a a variety of different ways to raise money for this effort. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. So um, this this whole thing started as a GoFundMe. Before we had a board of directors and bylaws and articles of incorporation and our five hundred one c three filings, it was uh, uh, Chris Blanchard started a GoFundMe for Sommeliers. Um, There's at last check. I don't remember exactly how much has come through the GoFundMe, but that site is still live and it's still feeding into the organization. Uh, Since we incorporated and and sort of set ourselves up properly, we now have our own website and we've just integrated funding into our own website. So right now, there there are really three ways that people can provide financial contributions through the GoFundMe, which we're going to move away from in the coming days as soon as we uh, have everything locked into our website, Uh, through our website, through an integrated donate button. And then also, uh, especially for large donations, they can be sent directly uh, to any of the members of the board uh, who will pass them on to Chris Blanchard, who's not only our founder, but he's our treasurer. Um, Those are the ways that we're taking money directly. Uh, Additionally, we have just finalized a wine auction that Ackermarill is going to host. And Ackermarill is not only generously donating their auction platform to the cause, but they are eliminating all fees on our end. So that 100% of the proceeds... Uh, from wine sales through this auction will go to the foundation Uh, and they're even talking about a potential match uh, of some proceeds as well which is absolutely generous of them so we haven't started the auction though Acker is starting to take donations of product now and the reason for the wine auction is really because so many people want to help but just might not be in a position to write a check right now but might have very well established sellers you know first and foremost I think about all my Somalia colleagues um, who might be in need and and need money but don't have a resource to sell their wine but have a great wine collection that they could put a couple bottles in to help raise money not just for themselves but also for the organization as a whole and their colleagues um it's also a really great way to appeal to collectors who certainly benefit from the skill and services of sommeliers and restaurants um and a good way for them to give back, uh, again, it, without having to necessarily write a check. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, It's already sunk cost if you've already got the, the wine in your cellar, so it doesn't necessarily burden people as much. And lastly, uh, wineries, distributors, importers, who, again, might be in, in tough situations right now and considering staffing cuts because sales are down, but certainly have the resources to donate high-value items to an auction where we can then use those funds to benefit.
0: Yeah. And then I think another important part of, um, of of what USF is doing is that it's rapid response. So I know that you guys have already received a lot of applications and have made some grants. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that?
1: So we have yet to disperse grants, although we are very close. And one of the reasons for that is we wanted to make sure that we ratified uh, the board ratified an absolutely airtight, completely objective selection criteria. So we researched other charitable organizations. We researched IRS uh, charitable giving laws and, and best practices. <clears throat> and we took models from outside of the hospitality industry as well, because the uh, the goal was to make sure that everything we're doing is, is without reproach, that nobody could think they did or didn't get funding based on a relationship with any member of the board. That's why it's done completely blind and absent of knowing who's you know, who we're, whose application we're looking at. Um, sure. So that, that's taken a little while to put together. The other problem is the real or pure reality is we don't have nearly enough money right now to really be impactful. We have at last check going into the weekend over 400 or sorry, nearly 400 applicants. And with uh, received and committed funding, we barely had enough to give everyone who applied $112, which that mm-hmm. would help with maybe a week's worth of groceries, but that really doesn't move the needle. It's our goal to give out disbursements of or $1,000 based on severity of need and to be able to make that recurring. So right now, our our absolute biggest need is fundraising. We just don't have enough money. And the more we have in the fund, the less uh, selective we can afford to be, quite literally afford to be less selective in whom we can help. So we don't want to be in a situation where we're trying to equate the disparate needs of different people because we only have enough to give one of those two people right. an amount of money. So really we're trying to get as much money as possible so we can start dispersing grants. And our timeline is next week to start giving money out because That's people great. Need this now.
0: Absolutely. And and so uh, just so everyone knows, it's uh, that the URL to donate is org. That's also the URL where uh, you can go for to make an application. Um, and on VinePair.com, we have the updated information uh, that's attached to the top of our live blog. So you can find it really easily. Just click the live blog link in our nav and you'll see um, a post that has the information there. If you if you don't want to write it down right now, um, and so I uh, I think that you know that is such a huge um, need in the industry right now, and you know, that is the very pressing need where I think so many people should be spending their time and are spending their time. But I also want to just take a minute to to talk a little bit about the bigger picture and the longer term here. So, you know, you've worked in the industry for three decades. What do you see as the, the bigger picture of, you know, sort of where we are now and what this longer term impact will be uh, maybe a couple of years down the road?
1: So, I mean, The industry has changed irrevocably, no matter when we recover from this. And let's make one thing clear. We are a strong community and we will recover as a community. It's going to be hard. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be exhausting, but we will absolutely band together and recover. And we're already seeing a lot of these efforts across the board. So we're going to come back from this, but I think that our industry will be irrevocably changed as a result. You know, Always looking for a silver lining. I think this will help eliminate some of the potentially negative things that existed in our industry unchecked things like policies on um emergency medical leave paid sick leave things like that um how you know paying staff a living wage especially tip staff about how income is reported so that when a critical situation like this occurs people can immediately be eligible for unemployment and can prove their income which is a huge challenge for tipped employees mm-hmm. when it comes time to Looking for unemployment support, so some ongoing benefits will come out of this. But you know, I would rather this not happen than say, yeah, some good things came out of it at the end. But in terms of the way this industry operates, I mean, we are changed. We're completely changed, Uh, and and um, it's it's really tough to see. I mean, it's tough to see friends and colleagues. It's tough to see restaurants and empires. uh, You know. I don't know if you read the the article about Tom Coleco, but just just the headline alone makes you want to cry. It's like spent 19 years building up his restaurant industry, and in one week it was dismantled and doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, or sorry, I should say his restaurant company.
0: I mean, it's shocking how quickly this, this thing has moved. And, uh, you know, I was uh, talking with another restaurateur this weekend, who was just saying, uh, there was a period a week ago when I was making decisions almost every hour, and then a new piece of information would come in, and I would have to pivot and start making an entire new plan. Um, So I mean, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, everyone is moving as quickly as possible and scrambling to just make make sense of this thing. But it does seem like the long term impact of this. I mean, Hard to know now, but I think it's it's going to be a long time before we really see uh, the other side of this thing. Um, even if we're able to, you know, hop into restaurants and bars as soon as three months from now, or or whenever that is. Um, so you know, I think the work that you guys are doing is is amazing, and um, and we just want to make sure that everyone knows United Sommeliers Foundation.org. Um That's the place to go either to donate or to apply. And we do have to leave this on on a little bit of a uh, of, of a positive note for, mm-hmm. um, which is how are you making it through? You're quarantining. You are in the the belly of the beast there in Washington, around policymakers who are making these sort of big sweeping, you know, policy. For for better or for worse, um, what's getting you through?
1: Uh, wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, my puppy. By the way, uh, we we rescued him first of February. Just by coincidence, we had no idea this was coming. Obviously, but my goodness, now is a perfect time to rescue a puppy. A, it helps the shelters. B, you're if you're at home, which you should be, you have all the time in the world to spend bonding and training and reinforcing. a a uh, uh, standing relationship, but, you know, the companionship, I live with my fiance, so I'm very blessed, but even still, uh, the companionship of having that little creature around is so vital, and it's so emotionally strengthening. Um, I, I worry a lot, you know, one of the things that isn't really being talked about, but is already an issue in our industry is, is mental health and emotional health, Um, and I can only, and substance abuse and all of those things get amplified in a a crisis situation. So, you know, for people who live alone and, or might be single or don't have, uh, you know, an emotional or physical resource, the companionship of an animal, whether it's a a dog or a cat or a chinchilla, my God, whatever it is that gets through it is so valuable. So if you've ever been thinking that I I might want to be a, a pet parent, now is absolutely the time to do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, I think also zoom calls, you know, just with people in your network. I mean, I think, you know, people have reached out to me that I haven't talked to or haven't been on a phone with for years. Um, But literally every single person that reaches out to me, I'm like, yep, let's hop on a zoom. And I can do it whenever you can, because I think that's one of the key things that all of us can do, we can really provide our time And, um, a little bit of reassurance and connection to our friends in the industry. You know, I I think just the ability to check in with people who may be having a tougher day than you is like one of the, the key things you can do. So, um, well, thank you so much for making time, uh, to talk to us and, um, thank you for everything you're doing. It's, it's really, um, such a needed, important thing that we'll, we'll keep following and, you know, let us, let us know how we can help at VinePair
1: absolutely well I, I thank you so much for having me and for most importantly for getting the message out for the united Sommeliers association um that that has been my you know my full time job slash full time relationship for the last you know 3 to 4 weeks and uh you know I, I wish not i'm not complaining about the workload of it i wish it didn't exist because i wish it didn't need to exist uh that said uh, we realized when we founded this that this should have existed a long time ago. Uh, if, totally. if this organization would have existed during Sandy, Katrina, uh, 9-11, 2008 crash, the California fires, then you know we would have had a resource and infrastructure to support our communities. So I just want to be clear, we established because of the COVID global pandemic, but this organization is yeah. going to continue in perpetuity so that we can create an ongoing mechanism to support our industry and our colleagues. So so thank you so much for allowing me yeah. that. And I think forum. this is
0: a, a silver lining, you know, these out of out of the you know necessity being the mother of invention. So out mm-hmm. of out of this very painful time, uh, you know, uh, to have a better infrastructure moving st- forward is 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 a silver lining. So yeah, thank agreed. you so much.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the VinePair podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week. Please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patri and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my VinePair co founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the VinePair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.